service back in the fellowship hall. As, as we came here this morning, there was a, a few wasps flying around. So we thought we'd kill them all before Sunday school and get back there. And there was probably another 20 of them flying around back there as that weather warmed up. Me and Dean had a little bit of fun trying not to smack each other, trying to smack the, <laughs> the wasp. But it was fun. Um, so today we are going to pick up in our walk through Daniel. And Becky's going to be disappointed because she's been looking forward to this. Uh, and she's back there helping get the food ready. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 7. And I titled today's message, God Knows the Future. Okay, so it's, this kind of gets to that weirder part of Daniel. Like the first half of it, the first six chapters are somewhat easily understood. Right? There's a storyline, there's a process of going through. Now we're getting into the, the dream section, as we call it. Um, as, as God is giving a, a dream to Daniel and, and he's giving an interpretation of what the dream is. But there's a message in it for the future. Um, we all have dreams. Right? I think we can all say we've had a dream. and We've all had some really weird dreams, I'm sure. I can think of a few that were very odd. That I wish they had a message that I could say this is what God was saying to me. And I think they were just weird dreams at that time. Or I just misunderstood them. Um, but here we're going to look at one of Daniel's dreams. And this dream is something that Daniel thought important enough to write down. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to read a, a big chunk to you first, and then we'll kind of discuss it, and then kind of see what God's message is out of it. So it says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream with visions in his mind as he was lying in his bed. He wrote down the dream, and here is a summary of his account. Daniel said, In my vision at night I was watching, and suddenly the four winds of heaven stirred up the great sea. Four huge beasts came from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I continued, continued watching it until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground, set, set on its feet like a man and given a human mind. Suddenly another beast appeared, a second one that looked like a bear. It was raised up on one side with three ribs and its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up, gorge yourself on flesh. While I was watching, another beast appeared. It was like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. It had four heads and was given authority to rule. While I was watching in the night, vis night visions, a fourth beast appeared, frightening and dreadful and incredibly strong, with large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and it trampled its feet, whatever was left. It was different from the, all, the, all the beasts before. They had ten horns. While I was considering the horns, suddenly another horn a little one came up from among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. There were eyes in this horn like a, like a man's, and its mouth had, and it had a mouth that spoke arrogantly. As I kept watching, thrones were set in places, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white like snow, his hair, the hair of his head were like the whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire, its wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing, coming out out from his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. Ten thousands and ten thousands stood before him. The court was convened and the books were opened. I watched then because of the sound of the arrogant words the horn was speaking. As I continued watching, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beast, their authority to rule was removed. 
but an extension of life was granted to them for a certain period of time. I continued watching the night visions, and I saw one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given authority to rule and glory in the kingdom, so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting domain, a dominion, and will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. <coughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we take a look in this vision that Daniel had, Father, this dream that only you can give, Father, that we will understand who you are. Father, I pray that you open our minds and our hearts to just hear your words today, Father, as we seek out what it is you're calling us to hear from this passage, Father. We praise you and we love you in every name. Amen. So that was a a dream that we would all consider asking, what did we eat last night, right? What caused us to have this dream? Right? Daniel was smart enough to realize this was something special. This was something that God was giving him because God spoke deeply to him. And so he, he spoke of four beasts that came out of the oceans, out of the great sea, each of them different from the other. So the first beast... He described it like a lion with eagle wings. That's a little bit terrifying. And so a lion with eagle wings. And so in the historical context of this, as, the, as we look at what God was prophesying through this dream, as I'm not great with all these aspects of it in my own personal knowledge, so I did research and I tried studying and figure out what other people thought as I read through these passages, as they as they people much smarter than I had looked at all the aspects of it and brought it together. And there's some differing accounts by different people, so I just kind of had to look and see which ones seemed to be the most godly and coming from God as opposed to just randomly picking. Uh, in consensus, though, the first beef is considered to be Babylon. The, the uh, power of Babylon, they came and they took over the part of the world, right? They came in, they took Israel away from it, and that's the one we'd been studying. So Babylon and then King Nebuchadnezzar. And so in historical pictures and stuff, Babylon, they pictured themselves as lions. And so the idea they had wings and the wings were torn off, they, they considered that to be Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar when he was in the wilderness, and his wing and the wildness was torn off of him when he had his conversion. And he was picked up and set on his feet like a man. So his so they so the humanity came back to Nebuchadnezzar. And we kind of talked about that as we talked about that part of Nebuchadnezzar's statement, right? How there was a possible conversion to being a follower of God in that moment, and how he stood up and his humanity came back to him as opposed to being wild. And so this was around 600 B.C. is when all that took, Nebuchadnezzar was in power. So then, then a second beast came, and it looked like a bear. Okay? This they consider is the Mede, uh, Mede and uh, the Persian Empire, which took over. So when King Darius came in overnight and took over in a, in a quick moment in becoming the king, if we remember that. And it says it was raised up on one side. Okay, so you had the, the Medes and the Persians. They came together to attack Babylon and to take over. Well, in that 
idea the Persians were the greater of the two, so it was raised, so the bear was raised up on one side, signifying that the Persians were greater than the Medes. And so this was being told to Daniel that this was going to happen. And they had the, the three ribs in the mouth. That is kind of a weird statement, right? Three things that were in that bear's mouth. So the descriptions is kind of cool. And it said that those three ribs were um, the three cultures that the Pers Medes and the Persians had conquered with the Babylonians, the Egyptians, and the Lydians. Okay, so it, it took over three different cult, different groups of people in those battles. And the, the Persians were considered extremely cruel to the people under their domain. Right? So when it says, get up and gorge yourself, it was taught as, as the bear. It was signifying that this was going to be an extremely violent group of people and cruel to the people they took over. And that's what ended up happening during Daniel's lifetime. And that happened around 539 BC. So 61 years after the Babylonians took control. And then the third beast was a leopard with four wings of a bird and four heads. This is where we start having a little debate on which culture this is. But the main one it signified, the main one I've read about was it, this considers the Greeks and Alexander the Great coming in and taking over the world at that time period. He came in quick like a leopard and just moved in real fast and just took over in a matter of no time as a young man because he was in his 20s when he took over that part of the world, the known world at the time. And it says that the, the, four, the four heads was signifying the splitting of his kingdom after he died into four different kingdoms, which is what ended up happening after Alexander the Great died. His four generals took over four different areas of his kingdom. And this happened around 334 BC. And so after his death, and after the kingdom kind of started falling away, they were given dominion for a time, a short time in that time in that area. And then the fourth beast, they, it was really undescribed. It was frightening, dreadful, incredibly strong, had large iron teeth, and it devoured and crushed everything at sight. And that's the Roman Empire that came in at around 27 BC. And so what we notice with the Greeks and the Romans, especially on those two empires, is a lot of their ideas and thoughts are still around today. You know, we think of governments and we think of writings and we stuff. We still depend a lot on the Greek and the Romans for things that we look at in our past, right? Democracy itself comes from the Greeks and the Romans and how they rule areas. And so there's some aspects of their governing still around, which leads with the idea of they were given a domain for a time. Even today, some of their domain stuff is still mentally there, you know, our thought processes and how we do things. But that fourth beast had ten horns. All right, so ten, it split up into ten, ten cultures, right? So after the Roman Empire kind of fell, it split up into the different European countries. Uh, I didn't write down the list of the ones it kind of split into, but you have like Italy and Spain and Germany, France, all those countries split up into ten different areas. But then there was a small horn that appeared... It was very arrogant in speaking. Okay, and, and there really wasn't consensus on what that 
small horn was in my reading. There's a lot of different ways in it. I think it's kind of more the Antichrist that's going to be coming. Somebody's going to come up and rise up out of that empire and speak out against Christ, speak out against God in a very arrogant way. And I think we can see aspects of that still in today's society. I, don't, I think this is where we're kind of, we're in the middle of this Roman Empire time period, I think, while those, while those beasts still have domain over the world. But then it talks about another area after it talks about those beasts and the scariness and the craziness of it. It goes on, it talks about the Ancient of Days. I love this part. It says, As he kept watching, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white like snow, his hair of his head and white as wool. His throne was flaming fire, his wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing, coming out of his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was convened and the books were opened. So in the day of judgment, the Ancient of Days is going to be sitting on his throne with his servants around him. When we think about thousands upon thousands, that's a lot of things, right? So extensions, that's going to be the angels there, they're serving God, taking care of him doing his bidding there in, in the heavens. And then it has 10,000 times 10,000 standing before him. I mean, think about that number. 10,000 times 10,000. Can anybody do that math real quick? Right? A few million, 100 million. Right? That are standing out before him. And they use these numbers not because they're accurate numbers. Those were just considered really big numbers. Those, the idea that we have a lot more numbers than what they used back then. So back then, they, when they described, they gave 10,000 because that's the biggest number they could think of. So we could, we could just as easily say trillions upon trillions in our, in our world today. And that's kind of what he was thinking. It was a number so large that he couldn't even go against, he couldn't even picture what that number was in his thought process. But then it ends, the court was convened and the books were opened. When we think of court, what's our thought process there? What do we think? We think judgment. The court was opened. Or the, the court was convened and the books were opened as God's judgment and sentence was being laid out for people. I mean, just imagine seeing that picture, standing back and seeing just who he is standing there, right? I mean, just imagine his clothing white as snow, his hair, his hair white as wool, sitting on a flaming throne with fire flowing around it. It'd just be awe to watch, wouldn't it? Just to see what God is doing there. And then it goes on with this open gate. He, he, Daniel watched as the beast was killed, the fourth beast was killed. And the other beasts had their dominions removed from them. All right, so at this point, God's going to say, your time is done. It's over. Now we're taking control. I've given you control for so long. Today it ends. 
I have something new for this, for the world today. And it says, Then he saw one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given authority to rule and glory and kingdom so that every one of those people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion, domain is an everlasting domain. He's not being given a domain for a short time. He's given an everlasting domain. And it will never be destroyed. So when those final days come and, and we, we can go back and we can read the revelations and we can see more of the picture that God's given Daniel all the way back then. So this dream probably happened somewhere around 600 B.C. So 600 years before Christ was born. And here we are 2,000 years after Christ was born. And we can read the same picture all the way in the Revelations about what's going to happen. The future that's going to come. Don't we serve an amazing God? He knows all these things and everything comes true as he plans it. Even going back to Daniel through the cultures he described. He didn't give the names but he gave a pretty good idea of what it was going to look like for us to read and look back and go, ah, oh, that was those people. He said the Babylonians were going to be in charge. He said the Medes and the Persians were going to take over, then the Greeks and then the Romans. And their ideas are going to last for a long time. But he also says, my son is coming. The son of man is coming. And he's going to rule. He's going to have an everlasting domain. And so as I, as I read that phrase, so every people, nation, language should serve him, it reminded me of Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And so in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it's uh, Paul talking about Christ's humility in his exaltation. And it says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself, assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as man in his external form, he humbled himself by, obey by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God exalt highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on heaven, on earth and under the earth, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' death and resurrection. He threw that God, exalted Christ to the highest throne so that every tongue, language, people, nation would know who he is and his and he's going to give him a dominion that's going to last forever we're not quite there yet right but jesus has died and rose again he's ready to take control but god's still waiting what's he waiting for he's waiting for us Right? We, he's waiting for, for the people on earth to accept him as Lord and Savior before that final judgment. Because once that final judgment comes, life is over. Your choice has been made. 
to accept Christ as your Savior. To be bowing it, to, to confess to your tongue that He is Lord. Once you leave this earthly body, it's too late. You're going to confess it either way. It's whether you do it before or after you stand in front of Him. Because once you're in front of Him, it's too late. Your time has come. So, God's in His ever-patient love is waiting for people to accept Him, to love Him. Because He knows there's many, many more people that, that will until He says time is over. We don't know the day nor the hour of that. Just like that fourth beast, we don't know when our dominion is going to end. Right? We have our own domain that we think we have here on earth, but it can end in a heartbeat. So do we know where we'll be on that day of judgment? When that time comes as we're standing in front of the judgment seat, what will our answer be? All right? Will it be Jesus is my Savior? I'm covered by His blood because I'm forgiven. Not by what I did, but by what He did. Well, we have excuses, but I, but I went to church. But I fed people. But I gave money to the poor. But I knew who Jesus was. Because those things aren't enough without accepting Him as your Savior and covering with your blood. With it getting covered with his blood. See, right now we live in a in a world where sin has control and Satan has dominion in a lot of aspects. And soon sin's gonna be defeated completely, and Satan's gonna be defeated completely and thrown into the lake of fire. And all those who don't believe are gonna be there too. And there won't be a second chance as much as we would like to be, as much as many would like to say, well, I'll just fix it when it happens. There won't be a chance to do so. Today is your chance. This moment could be your last chance. We don't know. Christ came to earth and, and gave his life so that, that we can have eternal life. That's it. That's why he came. He came because God loved us. So God sent him down so that we can have eternal life and that he can be glorified. So sin's already been defeated when Christ rose from the dead. It's ultimately just waiting for the domain to be taken away from it. Right, we live in a world that's sad. It's painful. Right, we see that a lot during this time of year when we see a lot of suffering and pain. It's, we talked a little bit about this Wednesday night at the prayer meeting. There's a lot of people that are hurting right now this time of year as they've lost loved ones and family, and family events are coming up. It makes it that much harder because you start remembering those things and, and sin and pain and guilt start kind of coming back into your head. I mean, just the 
sin has caused so much pain and damage in this world. Right? It causes our bodies to decay. But with God, we can have so much more. With God, we're going to be able to go stand in this everlasting domain with Christ as our master. Christ as our savior. And so as we close, the biggest question I can ask that each of you can only answer for yourself is where will you stand on the day of judgment? Only you can answer that. I can't answer it for anybody and you can't answer for anybody else. Only each individual person ultimately knows where they stand on the day of judgment. We can't look at somebody and say that person's too bad or that person's too good because we don't know what's in their heart. We don't know what God's done in their lives to change them. We can only know what we have in here. And so today, if, if you're not sure where you stand on that day of judgment, today's the day to seek it out. Ask God to reveal it to you. Ask him to show you where you stand. Because if you're not sure at all, you need to ask. If there's any doubt in your mind that, that Christ is your Savior, let's have a talk. I would love to have that conversation as we see what God can do for his glory in your life, in my life, in the life of this church. Because God knows that day. God knows our heart. And he knows ultimately what's going to happen. But he's calling for each of us to come to him so that he can love us and care for us. So Sydney comes, I'll close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the love and the mercy that you've given us, Father. We thank you for knowing the future. Father, I pray that we don't get caught up in symbolisms, Father, but just knowing that you love us, that you can care for us. Father, I pray that you would just present us with the ideas of what you want us to do, Father. Show us each step to take, Father, because you do know what's going to happen, and you know where we need to be and what we need to do, Father. Pray that you would just speak deeply into each person's heart today, Father, if they don't know you father let them know where you, where they stand as they stand up right now and father if they don't stand with you father i pray that you would just change their hearts today we praise you we love you yeah we name amen